welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Happy, happy Easter. He is risen. The cross is empty, and so is the tomb. Amen. All right, I want to jump right into um, our scripture, and so I, I, I want to kind of send you, if you've got your Bibles or iPads or phones or whatever uh, that has a Bible app on it, go ahead and jump to Matthew 28, and as we kind of, as you flip there, as you head in that direction, Matthew chapter 28, I want to set the scene for you. Jesus has spent three years with his disciples. He's been going through the countryside, and he's been going into the cities, and he's been sharing the gospel. He's been sharing the good news. He's been talking about the kingdom of God. He's been going about and doing miracles, and as he does these miracles, people are like, it, just, it drew more and more of a crowd, and it gave him the ability to speak to the masses, Speak to so many that, that people were giving their lives to him. People were converting. They were becoming Christians, little Christs. They were followers of Jesus. Now we find ourselves, Jesus has been taken from them. He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Gethsemane. Almost stumbled on that one. He was praying there, and the, the, the Romans and the, the, the Jewish leaders... They, they came and they arrested him, so they've been taken. He's been taken now from them. He's been beaten. He's been crucified. And for a couple days now, the disciples have been in hiding. He was hung on a cross and left to die there. And the disciples are scattered. They're like, my word, what is going on? One of them has denied him. One of them has betrayed him. And the disciples are just in, they're, they're in a place where things don't look good. The one that they have followed for three years now is gone. He's dead. The one that they put their hope and belief in was robbed from them. They watched him die on the cross. So now they sit feeling helpless and hopeless. And this portion of the scripture is when we find Mary and Mary. I like to refer to them as Mary squared. And they went to the tomb. They went probably seeking solace. I remember when I was in college, a sophomore in college, a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, passed away. And I can remember after him passing and after the, sur- uh, the service, the, the funeral, I can remember there were times where I would leave school and drive up to Nashua where he was buried, and I found myself just sitting at his graveside, just talking to my friend, wanting to just go and, and speak with him. I, I knew that he wasn't there, but I just found myself finding some sense of solace in being able to sit there at his graveside and talk to him. And I believe this is where Mary and Mary find themselves. Jesus, the one that we've been following, the one we put our hope in, he's gone from us now and he's in this tomb and let's, let's go. Let's, let's just go and sit by the tomb. Let's just go and, and, and cry out and have a good time of mourning. Do you know that there can be good times of mourning? Good. 
So maybe that's why Mary or Mary's go there. As they arrive, we find ourselves in Matthew 28. And here's their encounter. Beginning with verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, how'd you like to be known as the other Mary? (laughs) Went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. Just as he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Can, can we just take a moment just to like acknowledge He was in the tomb, and this angel appears. There's an earthquake, and the angel rolls the stone away. Imagine, put yourself in the place of Mary's. Put yourself there. First off, an earthquake. Earthquakes aren't very fun to live through. I mean, up here in New Hampshire, they're nothing, because it's just, oh, did you feel that? And then we go on Facebook and ask people, did you feel something? But put yourself in like the epicenter of an earthquake. An earthquake where things, it's violent, it's scary, it's fearful. There's a a point where like the the ground underneath me, terra firma, is right now terra shaka. This isn't good. And it's, so they find themselves in this place. And the angel, clothed in white, like lightning, and he sits on the stone. There, there are times in my life where I do hard work. Really? A couple times. <laughs> there are times in my life where I do hard work. And at the, at the end of the day, after a, a long day of splitting wood or digging ditches, I don't know, whatever the hard stuff I do, there's nothing more satisfying than sitting down. Think about it. The angel moved the stone, rolled the stone away, and then sat on it in his own way, kind of like at the end of your day when you work real hard and you sit down. It's your way of saying, it is finished. And that's the statement. That's the statement that the angel made. He sat on that stone in front of an empty tomb and said, it's finished. He's not here anymore. It's interesting that three days previous, Jesus said the same thing. It is finished. And then he gave his spirit up. Here you are, two women approaching the tomb. 
where your Savior was laid to rest. They experience an earthquake. They witness an angel. His appearance was like lightning, clothes white as snow. He rolls the stone away and he sits on it. It is finished. The, the stone was used to restrict access. The stone was used like people when they die, you don't want to be near them. You don't want to be around them. They get messy. And so they put him in a tomb and they rolled the stone in front of it to restrict access to him. It's interesting that in one of the portions of Scripture, they actually, like, let's make sure, because, you know, there's talk of him, you know, resurrection, let's make sure that they don't move this stone. And they, they put a seal on the stone. Almost like when you, when you send, you know, well, you know, when you write your fancy letters and you throw wax on it and signet ring and um, they put a seal upon the stone. That way, like, no one can move the stone and then move it back and, oh, look, it's empty now. They sealed the stone. The stone was used to restrict access. It was, it was a blockage. It stopped the flow of what needed to occur. I, I spent many of my childhood summers on my grandparents' farm up in Maine, and there was a stream that ran through the pasture, and there were many hours spent, myself and my cousins, grabbing stones from the pasture uh, and other things that might have been laying around there and putting them in the stream to, to dam up the stream, to block the flow of the water so that we could play in the water, make these little boats out of reeds and stuff. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, it got us out of weeding. But stones do that. Stones will block the flow. Stones will restrict access. Stones stop things from being encountered. The enemy attempts to do the same thing for us. To throw things in our way. To block us. To restrict access to things that we need to get to. He does this in so many different ways. Stones for you might represent anger or depression, fear, shame, guilt. You keep things in the darkness, hiding abuse, covering up things that happened in the past that you don't want anyone to know about, holding things back, not willing to confront issues, avoidance of conflict, obstacles to be tripped over, addictions and bad habits. God desires to come into our lives to remove those stones, to roll the stones away. And he can and he will if we allow him. He can and he will if we allow him. There's a choice that we have to make. When we allow Jesus to remove the stones, the dead come back to life. So many of us within our own lives, we're walking dead. There are dead places, dead areas in our lives. And when we allow God to remove the stone, the dead can come back to life. Dreams, hopes, things from your past, he's the God of restoration. And he does that as often as we will allow him. 
freedom is the reason for being set free. Not just for your freedom. You're not set free just so you can say, I'm free. You're set free so that you can then go and help others be set free. That you could be a living testimony of God at work in your life. You can be a story that can be shared. Your life is full of stories that can be shared. And when you share your story with someone who maybe is in the same place that you were, they can be set free as well. It's for freedom, yours and others, that you were set free. So many of us, we have these stone-filled hearts that keep us from living the life that we were originally created to live. We're stunted, we're blocked up, we're, re- we're just removed from fruitfulness in our lives. And God desires to do heart surgery within each of us. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he promises us. And this is one, if you have a Bible, this is a great verse to underline. I'll give you a little pointers here and there. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. He promises us this. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put within you my spirit. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's an incredible promise. That what was in us was just cold and lifeless, hard, bitter, I don't know, maybe. He promises us, Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. He promises us that he'll take this heart of stone, remove it, and give us a heart of flesh and put within us his spirit. The heart surgery that takes place is your personal Easter story. Each of us can have a personal Easter story, a story of conversion, a story of hope, a story of amazing grace. I'm the wretch that the song sings about, and so are you. We each can have a story of God's redemptive work in our lives. Understand something. Surgery is never easy. It's hard. It's painful. It takes a lot of work. But it's worth it when you come out on the other end. Nineteen and a half years ago, I had been married just a short period of time, months, not even a year. And I was working at a restaurant. I was the one who tallied up all the cash. I was the manager. And one night, we were going to the Yi Dynasty. This was down in Manchester. Nothing better after a hard day's work than a zombie and a bud. Some of you are giggling because you've been there. Last night. (laughs) 
Not going to judge. We were all going out, and I didn't have any money, so I just helped myself. I just, as I'm totaling up everything, I just, 10 bucks, I'll put it back tomorrow. But tomorrow came, and I didn't put it back. And then the next day, you know, we're going to Applebee's, and nothing better than a bourbon house steak. But I don't have any money on me right now, so I'll just take another loan. And over the course of nine months, and $10,000. I found myself living a lie with my wife. She came home one day to find hundreds of dollars scattered along the house or in our apartment. I want a scratch ticket. And she wanted to believe, please, because that's the promise that we made when we got married. Never lie. And for nine months, I had lived a lie with my wife. I found myself on top of Mount Jefferson. I was hiking for two days through the presidential range and I was laying out on just the, the, the grass up on the top of the mountain. The clouds are going over my head and I'm just relaxing. And as I am, God spoke audibly to me. Kevin, you've screwed up. Go home and fix it. The next day, I went back to work and I called my district manager. I said, you need to come in. We need to talk. And I explained to him that over the course of that nine-month period, I had stolen from the restaurant the sum of $10,000. The corporate office was called. They came down. The president of the, and the owner of the company came down. Bedford police was called in. I was arrested. The state of New Hampshire, even though restitution was made in full the very next day because my mom loves me very much. Yeah, my dad too. <laughs> Can't leave him out. The state of New Hampshire decided that they wanted to press charges and prosecute. There was no need for a trial because... I did it. I'm guilty. It was about a year later when the sentencing came through. And I ended up having to go to jail. Valley Street is not a nice place. But through it all, God promised, if you take care of your end, I'll take care of the rest. And he did. And he still does. It's amazing that I can stand before you, not only as your pastor, but as a convicted felon. Uh, tweet that. Okay, sit down. When we allow Jesus to remove the stones, the dead come back to life. He has a plan and a purpose for every one of you. Good plans and incredible purposes for each and every one of you.
Never let what you've done or what's been done to you hold you back from what God has for you. Never. The power in having the stones rolled away in your life, that's when each of us can be free to be the one whom God created us to be. Once you have that experience, you need to run with it and share it with others. There would have been a time in my life where I would have been embarrassed and filled with shame. Now I don't care. I don't care at all because it's the power of Christ who set me free. And I'll brag on that and I'll brag on Him forever. And you can too. He can set you free. Whatever is holding you back, whatever has bound you up, He will set you free if you ask Him to. It's interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's why we all need to have a personal story to share. That's why we all need to have a testimony. Whether it's a really, I don't know, I talked to someone the other day and they said, I just don't really have a sexy testimony. It's kind of it's boring, you know? So what? Speak your boring testimony out every opportunity you have. Because chances are your boring testimony is a beautiful testimony of the fact that God kept you, protected you, sheltered you from doing the stupid things that people with sexy testimonies have. And you're blessed because of that. So share your testimony. Share your testimony with everyone. Because there are many within our world. There are many within our neighborhoods There are many within our workplaces, our schools, that if you were to say, well, let me tell you about Jesus, and then begin to read through the Gospels, this book means absolutely nothing to them. I don't mean to sound sacrilegious there, because this book means everything. But if you're not a believer, this is just a book written by a bunch of people, designed to make behavior modification. But your story can never be refuted. Your story can never be argued. Your story is your story. And it's your story in God's story. So share it. Share it often. We're all at different places in life. I don't want to be ignorant to the obvious. Today's Easter, and this is the day when many people come... Some for the very first time, some, you know, last Christmas, and then the Easter before. Others are here more regularly. Some fully connected with Jesus, some checking things out, asking questions, kicking the tires. Kick away. Check out Jesus. Check them out often. Ask questions. This is a place where we're not afraid of questions. Seek and you will find.
But the truth of the matter is we all have stones in our lives. Each and every one of us have stones in our lives. We all have things that need to be addressed, things that we need God's help with. We need to be strong enough to acknowledge those things. Identify what they are. Acknowledge that you can't get rid of them on your own. I've tried for years to remove some stones on my own. It doesn't work. But with God's help, with Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, He will remove stones from your life. We need Jesus. That's why Easter is such a hope-filled day. We need to say sorry for the part that we've had to play in keeping the stones in our life. That's repentance. Acknowledging the different stones. Apologizing for them and asking for Jesus to remove them, to take them from your life. We need to release them to Jesus so that he begins to roll them out of our lives. John 8, 36 reminds us, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you give your stones to Jesus, you will be free indeed. It's for freedom, like we said before. Freedom for yourself and freedom for others. And again, that's why it's so important for you to share your story. Share the freedom that you've experienced with others. Nothing gives me more hope to accomplish things in my life than when I hear people share of the things that God has done in their own lives. On the left of every aisle, there's a bucket. I want to encourage each of you to grab that, well, the one on the left, grab the bucket, take a stone and just pass the bucket down the other side. Everyone go ahead and grab a stone. Thank you. Mark, can you mute me for a minute while they're getting stoned? I think my wife will tell me to change a couple things, second service. (laughs) What you have in your hand is a stone. It's a small, simple reminder that the things in your life, there are things that restrict you from the freedom that God wants you to have. Keep it with you. Keep it with you as a reminder. Stick it in your pocket. Put it in your purse. Keep it with you every day. Pray to Jesus. Ask for his help in identifying what those stones are in your life. Once you've identified what it is, the things in your life that need to be removed, Do your part. Apologize for those things. Repent and ask him 
Jesus, this is, this is the stone in my life and I need you to take it. I need you to remove it. I need you to roll it away once and for all. One day you're gonna feel light. One day you're gonna feel free. One day you're gonna feel, not just feel, but you're gonna experience that freedom. And when you do, I want you to take that rock out of your pocket. It. Sorry. Take the rock out of your pocket or out of your purse or wherever you've been keeping it. That memento, that reminder. I want you to find a big, wide open field. I don't want you to do it in the parking lot here. <laughs> and I want you to throw that stone as far away from you as you can. Symbolically and actually allowing that sin, those stones to be removed from you. We're promised that he will remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Throw far. Some of you, maybe you're free. Some of you, there are no stones in your life. Amen. You're laughing because you're like, who's that? <laughs> yeah. And as Betty just exhorted us, don't fool yourself. Pray and be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to you to reveal anything anything at all that needs to be removed. When we allow Jesus to remove the stones, the dead come back to life. That's what we want to experience here. Not just freedom for our own sake, not just freedom so we can have a party, but freedom so that so many other people can be set free. That's our purpose in life. Glorify God and do it in front of others so that they may also glorify God. Amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.